Hey guys, and welcome back to the Outer Rim. My name is Gabe, and today with one of the, with the help of one of my fellow Outer Rim admins, we'll be discussing the latest Star Wars show, Obi-Wan Kenobi. It'll be the uh, first two episodes. Uh, but first, uh, if you enjoy talking about Star Wars, uh, come over and join us in uh, the Outer Rim a Star Wars group on Facebook. Uh, we're dedicated to positive and constructive uh, discussion of the series without all the crazy hate and vitriol we see online. Um, so yeah, how's it going, Drew? I just realized I'm muted myself <laughs> for the intro. Forgot to unmute. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going pretty good. You know, I'm here yet again, faceless. It's tradition yes. now. Absolute shame. Um, yep. So let's just dive right into it. Uh, so this is Obi Wan Kenobi. We talked about the first two parts that were released last week. Um, so both episodes and the rest of the show uh, are directed by Deborah Chow. Um, Part one was written by Joby Harold, Hossein Amini, and Stuart Beatty. Part two is written by Harold Ami uh, with Amini and Beatty only receiving story by credits. Um, so my understanding of to get some, into some of the uh, the background information of this, my understanding of that is so uh, Hossein Amini was hired back when this was a movie that was going to be directed by uh, Stephen Daldry. Um, but then that morphed into a TV show after Solo bombed and Daldry left and uh, Amini stayed on board to write the show. But then Kathleen Kennedy was not happy with his scripts. She said they were you know, too dark and not hopeful enough. So they, then they brought on Joby Harold to rewrite them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how this kind of came about. Um, but apparently they kept enough of uh, his scripts to, for him to receive not just a story by credit, but a writing credit on the first episode. Okay. Um, yeah, but but the I guess the majority of the, the tone and feel and themes and ideas are probably mostly from Harold. Uh, the score for the series was composed by Natalie Holt, uh, with the main theme provided by John Williams, and the cinematography is by Chung Hoon Chung. Um, so in these two episodes, we have a depressed Obi-Wan Kenobi hiding out in the deserts of Tatooine, keeping a distant watch over Luke uh, despite Uncle Owen's protestations. Uh, but then he receives word from Bail Organa that Leia has been kidnapped and reluctantly leaves the planet to rescue her. And in episode two, he finds her, only to learn that the kidnappers were hired by the third sister, uh, Inquisitor Riva, to draw him out of hiding. Fight, fights and shenanigans ensue, and they escape, but not before Obi-Wan learns the truth of Vader's identity. So, Drew, what did you think? Well, I, uh, I really enjoyed both episodes. Um especially the first episode um something that i actually wanted to mention before we go into the first episode actually was the recap that plays before the first episode was really really good obviously didn't need to watch it but i felt that it set up the show really well and transitioned nicely into how it opens um and just the music in that uh recap was really good yeah i feel like there's probably a lot of people watching this show who haven't seen the prequel since they came out in theaters yeah honestly like, especially among like, amongst like the older generation um so they probably did need that um yeah so um i didn't love it uh just gonna make this a little weird because i mean i i I like being positive, and I, I definitely will say 
mention all the things I liked, and we've we're in a messenger group together, and we've been fighting over this. Um, yeah, so I will dive in. I will start to cover my uh, some of my criticism, then I'll hand it back to you and get back to some more positives. Um, for me, so we didn't get to do a series on the Book of Boba Fett. Um, one of the reasons was I, I didn't really like the show either, uh, but also it was just time wise. But I'm a lot of my issues that I have with this series. This series are also shared by the Book of Boba Fett. It's I don't I'm trying to figure out where to start because there's a, a kind of a series of issues. I, I think. For one, I'm not a huge fan of the story that they've chosen to tell or or more specifically how they've chosen to tell it. Um, part of this is me wishing they made a different show, which I try not to do too much. I, I try to uh, accept what the, fil- the story the filmmakers are trying to tell at face value. Um, but here we're kind of coming to something where it's like, I don't know if the story should have been told, um, which is kind of an awkward place to be in. In that, my vision of Obi-Wan Kenobi between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope and kind of how we see him in various uh, comics and short stories is a really wonderful short story in the A Certain Point of View book. And then, of course, his, his appearance in Rebels is he is the distant, watchful guardian. like. He, at the end of Rent of the Sith, he gives Luke to Uncle Owen and Amperu, and he stands off and spends, what, uh, you know, the next 20 or so years, 19 or so years watching and guarding, and when the occasional threat shows up, just quietly taking care of them. And and that's kind of what we see in the other stories and in, like, in the books and comics, and especially in, excuse me, especially in Rebels, where like when Darth Maul shows up, he just kind of watches him from the, a distance as he wanders around going mad in the desert. He wasn't even going to do anything until Ezra kind of showed up and messed everything up. But it's like, he's he's just he's just watching. He's like this noble, myth, mythical figure. Um, and I, I really dislike the idea of him leaving Tatooine. I don't know. It's like, it's this, this consistent image of him that has, that I don't, I don't think I created this in my mind. I think this is what is, has been presented in the, in the series so far. So having him going off and doing various adventures and swashbuckling, saving princesses and all that, it just doesn't sit right with me. That's it. This is a story and they decided to tell it and and going along with it. um, I also don't love how it's tell, told, but uh, I'll, I'll get more into that later. So that's kind of how I'm coming into it, full disclosure. I didn't really want an Obi-Wan series. I just I just thought the, the potential to, da- to damage my view of what Obi-Wan is was too high. And it happened, and <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's where I am. Um, what about you? Like Coming into the series, what, what, is, how, how is your, what is your view of the story they've chosen to tell? Yeah, um, that's actually what really surprised me with the show because whenever they first said like oh vader showdown and like all that stuff and really like hyping it up i'm like how are they going to do this because it could work really well or it could work really badly and 
the way that they're approaching it, I'm completely fine with, honestly. Um, and I actually really appreciate them using Leia as the catalyst for this story. And the reason why is because we're we're never I don't think unless I'm just like forgetting, I don't think we've ever learned how Leia knew Obi-Wan. Maybe they've said it in one of the books, but I I can't remember off the top of my head. It's it's through her father. Like like you know, years ago you served with my father in the Clone Wars. I think that's kind of the thing where Bail Organa was one of the primary architects of the rebellion, and so Obi Wan Kenobi was kind of like one of the assets he had in you know he knew was in, on Tatooine, and when he needed him, he reached out to him and obviously gave that information to his daughter. Um, but I don't. Another issue, I I don't you know I don't you don't really get the feeling watching A New Hope that uh, that Obi Wan and Leia. Not only do they know each other, but they went on these this wonderful adventure together, or probably traumatizing adventure, but this this grand adventure uh, together. I just, I don't. Like, it's a small problem. Like it's not it's not doesn't destroy a new hope or anything. No. But for me, it's it's a little kind of irritating. Like nah, I I just I don't see that in Carrie Fisher's performance. Like when he dies, she doesn't seem to care at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I feel like would not be the case if this was the man who, you know, came after her when she was kidnapped at 10 years old. Like, I feel like there would be a bit more connection than we're, we've seen. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so as far as the story, like, wh- how do you, how, what is your view of like the story they're telling? What the, like, how, what are you thinking about the themes and all of that? Uh, how, how is that striking you? Yeah. Um, yeah, like like I said, I like how they're using Leia as the catalyst for the story, um, and I I did really appreciate how in the first episode they did show Obi Wan kind of wrestling with the gray area of oh should I help people or should I not, um, and granted we didn't see a huge amount of it. Um, yet but in the first episode we did get to see glimpses of what we've seen in the comics before where he was placed in situations where you know people were like about to be harmed or different things like that by even the empire and he would choose not to help because he doesn't want to give himself up um and to protect luke um so i liked how they showed that a little bit um because that was something that i was like really worried about going into the show um since he since we knew that he would leave tatooine they said that before the show came out um so i appreciated how we did get to see glimpses of that um like with for example like the jedi that they were chasing after on tatooine Mm -hmm. he's like you know the war's over. We lost. The Jedi are done. That's a great your lightsaber. The yeah. Uh, yes. And what what makes it so great is that uh, it's a nice callback to one of the best Star Wars films, The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> it's like poetry. It rhymes. But yeah. Um, okay. So, 
building off of that, uh, yeah. one of my issues, the reason I'm having a hard time really conducting deeply with this show is I'm a little confused as to what they're saying about who Obi-Wan is at this point, what he believes and what he's doing on Tatooine. Um, so on one side, you have him watching over Luke, bringing him toys, apparently with the with the idea of sparking, you know, uh, sparking some hope of getting off this planet in Luke. Um, and so he's and with 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 in mind to, as he says to you know, Uncle Owen, when the time comes, he must be trained. So my, my understanding of of Obi-Wan's mission was, wasn't only I'm here to protect Luke. It was. I'm here to you know to watch and protect Luke, and then when the time comes, I'm going to train him, and together we're going to go out and fight the Empire. Is that how, is that how you saw it? Wait, what was that? You cut out for uh, a second. I was lagging, I think. Oh, uh, my, my understanding of Obi-Wan's purpose on Tatooine was that he's going to watch and protect Luke till he comes of age, then he's going to train him, and together they're going to go fight the Empire. Like that is that is that how, that's how I viewed it all these years. Is, is that is that how you saw it? you've seen it? Um, I don't know if I ever saw it as. Well, I I don't know. I don't know. That, that's actually honestly a really good question. Um, I think my views have changed over the years about it because, as we mentioned before, the uh, the little comic that they had, uh, showing Obi Wan watching over Luke, um. And then also with like a new hope, I I never really like saw it as Obi Wan wanting to train Luke to fight the Empire. Um, I always kind of just saw it more as him wanting to protect Luke. Um, just the son of his friend kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because I, I like it, it never really seemed like obi-wan wanted to fight like it kind of seemed like he was pretty dead set on wanting to be done um and with him being like the hermit that he is in a new hope um and not seeking after luke they just kind of like ran into each other um i don't know that's that's i guess the impression that i got but i i definitely can see where you're coming from with your viewpoint. So that brings me to kind of my question about this series is that on one hand, he's telling Owen when the time comes, he must be trained and he seems to have you know, a purpose with his interactions with Luke. And then on the other hand, he's telling um, the Jedi played by Benny Safdie, uh, you know, the war's over. We lost, give up, stop helping people. None of it matters anymore. <laughs> um, and so I'm a little confused. It's like, which, which, is, which is it? What is he, like, does he truly believe, has he truly given up all hope? If so, why does he want to, maybe like the Uncle Owen half of the story um, is like a remnant of an older script that they kind of then wrote on the more depressed you know, uh, version where Obi-Wan's lost hope and he's just kind of drifting in life right now. And I'm having a difficult time connecting them because I feel like the primary story and plot of the series seems to have 
really be playing more on the hopeless side to where to the point where I guess like he it would it's hard to tell because they didn't really set it up, but it seems that he hasn't used even used the force at all. Like when Leia falls and he reaches out and grabs her, it seems to take a tremendous amount of effort as if he he hasn't he hasn't done that in years. Um, so that that seems to be more the side of, of the story that the series is playing on. And so the more uh, the uncle the co- the conflict with Uncle Owen seems to stick out a bit more for me. Um, but but I guess kind of m- moving in and talking about the plot of the series. So this series, I guess, is about Obi Wan Kenobi coming out of a depression that he sunk into after all that happened in uh, Re- Revenge of the Sith. And and he's brought out of it by having to leave the planet and go and rescue Leia and, you know, and face his fears and kind of regain hope. Um, How do you feel about them using Leia being kidnapped as kind of the plot device to to get us out of there? Yeah. um, Again, I I honestly was not expecting Leia to be in the show at all. Speaking Um, of which, the the marketing for these Star Wars shows is incredible. Yeah. For Mando, Boba Fett, and this, well, I mean, Fett didn't really have a plot, so they couldn't spoil it. But I feel like uh, all, with all these shows, they show pretty much entirely from the all the material in the trailers is from the first two episodes. So once you get there, it's like, I have no idea what this show is after this. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really agree with that. Um, and, like, speaking of with that, like, they kept Leia being in the show such a secret, and I'm really surprised. I mean, there is potential that maybe there was a leak out there, but I didn't see it, which I'm really glad because <laughs> that I like I, I'm I'm really surprised. Like, you know, I'm... usually we'd have Hollywood Reporter or like Deadline or someone reporting on something like that, but yeah, they kept that secret. <laughs> and they've kept like, and every one of these shows has had a big secret, like Cad Bane, yeah. Luke Skywalker, Grogu. Um, yeah. They've had a secret like that, and it's wild. Maybe I'm just—I have my my Twitter follows are really well curated, to where none of them are jerks who would spoil it. But they, they, yeah, it's been great how how secret they've been. Um, so yeah, Leia is one of the leads of this show. Um, the actress—I am completely blanking on her on the actress who plays it. I don't. She's not a very good actress, but she's so adorable. I don't think it really matters. Like, there's a level of cuteness a child can attain to where <laughs> bad acting no longer becomes a problem, <laughs> and she's definitely in there. Um, she she's just so cute. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Vivian uh, Lyra Blair. V- Vivian Lyra Blair okay. is her name. Good. Yeah. Uh, her performance. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not <laughs> like a ten out of ten performance. Uh, I, I do think that. She has the mannerisms of Leia, though, and just some of the dialogue. Like, you can see, like, oh, this is Leia, like the dialogue that she has with her cousin, um, mm-hmm. and how she just kind of like, like, is the bigger person and kind of just shows him what's up. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's Leia, that's just totally something Leia would do. Um, so it's a very really prickly like person, yeah. <laughs> And, and like I love how like the first thing that happens when Obi Wan comes to rescue her, she hits him with a chair, and then spends the rest of the you know, the rest of the episode just criticizing his rescuing technique, which is very Leia. 
yeah yeah definitely um and yeah like speaking of leia though we got to talk about how my boy bail organa is finally back oh yeah. every single time i see him i'm just super happy and i mean i know you're not a huge fan of leia being in the show but <laughs> It's worth it for Bale. <laughs> yeah, they they have a really sweet relationship where he's the more kind of doting fathers who might be spoiling her a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's always good. Um, moving on to some of the other cast, we have the Inquisitors. Um, and there was a bit of controversy uh, when the trailer came out because uh, Rupert Friend plays the Grand Inquisitor who was previously played by Jason Isaacs. Um, and his head was not tall enough to, to satisfy the fans, me included. Um, how do you feel now that we've actually seen his performance? How do you feel uh, about him taking on that role? Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure how I feel about it quite yet. Um, I think. <laughs> oh, looks like uh, someone's trying to join. A guest appearance. What's this? Oh, you mean uh, Michael commenting? No, I mean Josh in the chat. Oh, there he is. <laughs> hello? <laughs> I didn't think you'd make it. Uh, hello. Something's Hi, we not, are live. Something's not working. Hold on one second. Um, this is Josh, our fearless leader. Welcome. Hello. My camera, camera not working. As it always is with me, something goes wrong. <laughs> always. Um, well, and for some reason, my cam camera is not uh, not working. But I will get it working here in a moment. I've just been listening to the conversation at this point and tanking it all in. All in. Um, if I pop out for a moment and pop back in, it's because I'm trying to get my trying to get my my camera to work. So. All right. Well, welcome. Um, continue, Drew. Yeah. Um, gosh, now I'm trying to remember what were we what were we uh, talking about? Uh, Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he's yeah. Gone. I I feel like we didn't see enough for me to like be sold on his performance as the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, we saw him very briefly. Um. I'm also not a huge fan of his character design, but I'm just like, it's it's whatever. Um, it's, it's not something that we can change, sadly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I hope we see more of him because I want to give him a chance. But from the little that we saw, I can't really like say that I was wowed or anything. Um, it was just pretty standard um mm -hmm. how about the inquisitors in general um yeah i i'd say definitely even though i really enjoy both episodes the inquisitors are one of my criticisms um, yes finally we agree on something <laughs> they're not <laughs> except uh gosh i am forgetting which inquisitor is fifth brother uh, Yes, the fifth brother. I actually really like him so far, um, even though we haven't seen a huge amount of him. But mm -hmm. uh, 
I, I just I was really sold on. Like, he's the only one that seems competent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the only one that seems competent, and then also like just uh, I like for example, I really love the voice effects that they have. Like, mm-hmm. if if you listen closely, he has like some sort of like effect on his vocals, and it just it makes him sound more menacing, and also makes him sound more alien. Um, so I really, I really uh liked what I've seen from him, and I I can't wait to see him in action because we haven't seen him in action yet. Um, yeah, the, the acting is good. The less said about uh them matching his look from the animation, the better. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he's even less less accurate than the Grand Inquisitor. But oh well. Uh, yeah, for me, I I have a lot of problems with how the Inquisitors are portrayed. As I said before, they don't seem very competent in this show, and the, we've and like in Rebels, whenever they showed up, it was genuinely scary. Like people are going to die, things are going to happen. Um, oh, uh, Michael Hoover, hey Michael, is in the chat. He's saying he uh, he thought they were fantastic, um, and he liked Riva better on a rewatch, uh, but still a bit of overacting. Um, yes, I will get to Riva. I have thoughts. Um, <laughs> Where was I? Oh yes, incompetence. Um, there are two separate scenes in both in each episode where they quarter a Jedi, and then they start bickering amongst themselves, and the Jedi escapes. It happens twice, <laughs> and it's like these none of these people would survive working a day under Darth Vader. Like both of them, all of them would have been very quickly executed. Um, and which brings me to Riva, kind of the main antagonist of the show, and I don't like her at all. Um, one, I don't, I don't think Moses Ingram is. I think, I think she's genuinely bad in the performance. Um, and I, I like, I think the idea of the character is interesting. Like everything we've ever heard about the Empire is that it's very cutthroat. Like every, no one is there for the common good. Everyone is just trying to advance their own career and they'll stab each other in the back, you know, as soon as look at each other. So like that aspect of her only out to, you know, to, to, to find this big catch and, you know, make her career out of that. that that's really interesting. Um, but performance wise, the thing I kept thinking of whenever she was on screen was a Veruca salt from Charlie, uh, no, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. <laughs> like I want it now. Um, where she just yells so much, and like, and she's so constantly yelling. So her like her voice is constantly cracking. Like, like she always just feels like she has no control, and it, and that just makes for a character that is one kind of irritating and two not impressive or scary in any way. Um, it, it's kind of like you know where you'll have in shows with like a gang of criminals. There'll be the one kind of um, wild card who's just really loud and annoying, and usually the leader will kill them at some point because they're really irritating. She's kind of that role, um, which I, just doesn't work for me when she has to be – she's the main villainous presence. Um, and I think that's kind of un- unfortunate. And just overall, I, I do think th- this show has damaged the mystique of the Inquisitors quite a bit uh, just by how – incompetent they seem to be um 
I mean, we've talked about cast. I can't believe we haven't talked about Obi-Wan yet. <laughs> how, how are you feeling about uh, Ewan McGregor's triumph and return uh, for the first time since 2005? Yeah. Um, it's great, honestly. Um, it, it feels like he hasn't even been gone for that long. <laughs> like, just... It, he hasn't aged at all. Yeah. He, well, yeah, he hasn't aged and he... Um, he just it it feels like Obi Wan again, like, and like you could, like especially because I just rewatched Revenge of the Sith recently, um, to be on a certain point of view podcast. Um, shout out to the homies over there. Um, but yeah, I so I recently like rewatched Revenge of the Sith, and it's like he just stepped right back in the shoes and still had it in him. What which is really crazy because. I know he said in an interview recently that he had to find his voice again hmm. um, because it, it had been so long. So it, it took him a bit to like get back into the role. Yeah. I, I, I've, I remember when watching the trailer, when he has that, you know, the line, when the time comes, he must be trained. It was like, Oh my gosh, there's a lot of Alec Guinness going on in there. Yeah. Um, so he found it and I guess, you know, kind of he's trying to, bridge the gap um obviously i think he's very very good i don't think the show has yet given him much of a chance to like really go all out let us know you're my brother kind of thing happening yet i mean i'm assuming it's coming like they've been heavily foreshadowing vader so i think he's gonna do great when that comes overall like now he's been pretty subdued and quiet but he's you and mcgregor he's so watchable um and I think just kind of there's a, one scene that I thought was really good is they're, when they're at the meat meat packing plant and as they're leaving and the guy the guy in front of them says you know this is half of what I, we got last time and the uh, the over the foreman comes over and starts you know bullying him and then he looks at everyone and says you know what are you gonna do um, and that was like the one moment of these two episodes where I really felt something. Um, where it, it kind of goes right along with what that speech from the Inquisitor, where he's talking about, you know, the key to hunting Jedi is patience. Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. The Jedi code is like an itch. He cannot help it. To whereas the, Inquisi the, the Inquisitor's method is simply wait, just kind of wait and watch until someone starts helping people a lot, because that's what the Jedi are going to do. Yeah. Um, and, and there's that, 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 the fantastic arc in the Clone Wars, I think it's season five, the, uh, the Zygerian slavers arc, where um, Obi-Wan has been captured by the slavers and the, uh, the overseer wants to break him. And the way he's going to break him is by making it so he can't help people. So whenever Obi-Wan fights back and tries to help his fellow prisoners, he executes some other prisoners. So he's going to like break a Jedi spirit by putting him in a horrible situation where he cannot help people. It's like that felt like a really cool thematic continuation of that idea. Um, and so seeing Obi-Wan in that spot where he's seeing someone in front of him being abused and the overseer is like, what are you going to do about it? And he can't do anything. Like that's a really soul crushing position for someone like Obi-Wan Kenobi because like, that's what the Jedi are. The Jedi are people who help others. Um, yes. Yeah, so that, that, that was, I thought that was very, um, very effective. Um, let's see. Then there's uh, there's Uncle Owen. Just 
it was such an incredible, you know, bit of luck casting a completely unknown Joel Edgerton for what two lines <laughs> back in Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's really paid off, and he's great. Like I knew he like this is one of the things. Like I've always thought it'd be awesome to come back and see Uncle Owen, just because that character has always fascinated me. Um, to where you know he clearly cares about Luke, but his way of showing it is to try and you know, cr- crush Luke's dreams because he's afraid that his dreams and his passions are going to, and it, you know, his desire to get out and see the world are going to kill him. Well, he thinks his father, he thinks his father's dead. So he thinks like, you know, if, you know, if my nephew follows in his father's footsteps, he's going to end up dead. And so like, he's trying to protect him, but in a way that is, I guess, you know, damaging to Luke and, bad for the rest of the galaxy, but it, it, just, it just makes for a fascinating character. Um, and I really hope we get to, I, if, if, if his only big scene was, was already passed, I'm going to be so upset. Yeah, no, definitely. It's always good to see him back in the role. Um, Cause like, I like what a perfect casting, honestly. Um, <laughs> uh, real and- quick. Michael said, you know, you're not wrong about the Inquisitors feeling incompetent, but that's exactly how I always felt when I'm watching Rebels, so it's pretty on brand. Um, <laughs> I, I can they, they, they could be, but I think the Grand Inquisitor, I, w- I would not include the Grand Inquisitor in that. Yeah. He was always pretty intimidating. Uh, I agree. I agree. Grand Inquisitor definitely was. Um, I, mean, I will, Isaacs, say, I will so. say, though, Jedi Fallen Order really showed. And Josh is back. And he's Hello. in the camera. Oh. And there is a buzz. Oh. Wow. <laughs> All right, I'm going to mute him for now. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in Jedi Fallen Order, they uh, I, I feel like they did a really good job of showing the strength of the Inquisitors, um, and you don't even see an Inquisitor in that game. <laughs> you might have to call back. Uh, just, just keep going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like they really show the strength in the in Jedi Fallen Order. We don't even see Grand Inquisitor in the game, um, and like they're truly like menacing in the game. Honestly. Um, oh yeah. And granted, it, oh, those it, boss it, fights are so freaking hard. It made oh, me yeah. so mad. <laughs> yeah. Granted, they are like th- this isn't a kids show like Rebels, so they have a little bit more freedom to, you know, work with them. But I, I felt like they were really good in the game, and so it's kind of kind of frustrating that most of them feel incompetent in the show so far. But I mean, that could change. Um, I feel like part of it is just how absolutely dumb Reva is <laughs> like at <laughs> making decisions because she's an absolute loose cannon. Um, but I don't know. Hopefully, fingers crossed that it'll uh, improve. Yeah, my hope for Uncle Owen, going back to that, was that is that like Obi-Wan's going to come back to Tatooine, but Reva will follow him, and then him and Uncle Owen will have to team up to take her down like that's that's what i'm hoping this show turns into um 
So uh, yeah, continuing on, um, I, I, I'm going to come to my next, I think it's a big criticism of the show, but also it's a broader criticism of all these, um, these Disney Plus shows so far to varying degrees. And that is, I think, this is a, a, this is a very technical filmmaking crit critique. And I'm guessing a lot of people won't, wouldn't have even noticed it, but it's something that's really stood out to me. And that is the, the volume technology that they're shooting on, which is, which is, uh, I'd be hard to explain it. Uh, the, if you want to know what the volume is, go on YouTube and just search, you know, the Mandalorian, the volume is this really cool technology where you have this room of, of kind of TV screens on which they project the background of whatever the scene is going to be. It could be like, it could be a, the inside of a building. It could be a landscape, could be anything they want. And then they just, they put the actor in front of it and just shoot them um, to where similar to what they would have done in the past with green screens. Like the entire prequels were shot mainly in front of green screens um, with CGI and Josh is back. Let's see if this works this time. Hello. Uh, nope. Oh my gosh! Sorry. Um, yeah, so like the entire thing was a very the the prequels is a very virtual production, and he's gone again. It was a very virtual production. Um, to where, and now they're kind of doing the same thing, except now instead of being in front of a green screen, they're standing in front of, of a TV screen of the background. Um, and I think that has caused some problems with the filmmaking, to where I feel it now. I can feel that they're shooting this thing in a room like it, it causes limitations like there's only so much camera movement you can do there's only so far an actor like a character can move like in the staging like you can only walk so far because if you keep walking you're going to walk into a wall um yeah. it affects how you can light it because if you light it too brightly it's going to stand out from you know, it's going to you you'll see it on the wall behind them like they'll, yeah. there'll be a different brightness than the, than the, the rest of the the, uh, the background you can't use ambient lighting like i was just what i just uh to mention another show, I was just watching Stranger Things and like there's a scene where a character is in a room and there's just this really bright ray of sunshine coming through the window and you could see this beautiful light kind of bathing the room and you can't have that with the volume. Like everything has to be lit very evenly. So it's either very bright or it's very gloomy. Um, and you can't like sculpt the light around the character and make them stand out. Or you can't like sculpt the light around the set. So it has these problems of it limits your camera motion. It limits your the, how much the actor can move and, and it limits the staging. It limits how cool the lighting can be. And I also think it's like a mental block for some directors to where they, when they're working in this small room, they, they shoot small. Like they just use a lot of mediums and close-ups and they don't, they don't shoot beyond like, like, um, like when you're watching the prequels, there's a lot of problems that come from the shooting against the green screen, but Lucas, uh, like George Lucas's vision was so big. So like he, he would just like, he would frame the characters up really small in the corner and the rest of the screen would be this incredible landscape of, of Coruscant or something. Um, it's similar to like when you're watching the Hobbit films, like where you'll have like a lot of CGI background and it looks massive, but you also have like a live action element with a character shot in front of a green screen. Um, and some, some filmmakers can't think beyond the volume. So they just shoot small. And when you're in star Wars, 
like small just feels wrong. Um, so it's yes, that, that's a problem that I, I keep coming into. It just it just it makes these shows just feel kind of cheap and made for TV and small when you're shooting on the volume. And and like and we saw in the Mandalorian, like there's the one Robert Rodriguez episode where they go outside and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, this feels so much bigger. And it's and it's like it's just they just shot like 20 minutes out of you know L.A. in, in the hills somewhere. Yeah. But because it was real, you can just feel it. And even if you can, even if you can't see the wall when you're watching it, I can still kind of feel it in the constraints of the filmmaking. Also, another thing is I'm seeing. Between uh, Book of Boba Fett and this show, where I know there are a lot of talented filmmakers, but there's just kind of a weird, again, almost like prequel-esque thing to where a lot of the acting feels subpar and like a lot of just the staging of human interactions feels really weak. For example, I think the, the, like when the, uh, when the, the kidnappers are chasing Le- uh, Leia... <laughs> And it's like she's so slow, but they're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't catch her!" Despite the being all being faster than her, it just it looks really dorky. Um, just the way some of the conversations are staged. I, I, I'm wondering if because they're shooting on the volume, and there's so much less logistics involved, like they don't have to move the lights the same way, they don't have to move from locations, they don't have to dress the sets. I wonder if like Luke, if the studio is giving them like way less time to shoot it. Because so many of the line readings, like all of the extras are kind of terrible. Like the ones who have like one or two lines, uh, they're really stiff. Even some of the, the people we know are good actors just feel a little off. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they just did not have time because it feels like so many of the line readings and conversations are like first take uh, kind of things. Like we just don't have time. Yeah, um, I, I definitely felt that. Um, in the first episode a little bit with uh, Ben Safdie. Um, like, because obviously we know he's a great actor, good time. He's also <laughs> really solid in Licorice Pizza. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, it definitely felt a little weird, like, hearing him not, <laughs> hear like, just the way he, like, spoke the dialogue it just it didn't sound like it, it just didn't feel like a great performance which is not what i'm expecting from him um, yeah, and even like i don't think ewan mcgregor was bad but i've watched him be absolutely magnetic so many times i feel like even he wasn't up to what we know he can be in other places and t- you know other sh- other shows and stuff Maybe maybe that was intentional. Like maybe, hey, I'm depressed, so I'm gonna tamp down my charisma. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I just I just missed missed some of that charm. Yeah, no, I do feel that. Uh, I think I think that might be intentional though, um, mm-hmm. just because of like his his current state and everything. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm sure that'll change as we go along through the through the season though. Yeah, it just comes up in little things, like just talking about how it feels rushed, rushed, just little things like Obi-Wan flashes his lightsaber so many times, and like there's conversations that very much should be private are kind of happening around other people, like when he's, um, <laughs> uh, Michael Michael agrees with us about the chase, but he very much disagrees about Ewan. Um, 
I, I feel like, the, um, yes, like this when he's talking, they're walking through a crowded street, and he's openly discussing with Leia about him being a Jedi. It's like, just like shut up, you can't be doing this. Someone's gonna overhear you. Uh, or the time when, when after uh, Riva, after they Riva lets uh, Benny Safdie escape, and like the Grand Inquisitor just starts chewing her out. In front of an entire room, they were just interrogating and trying to intimidate. It's like they're very much, it's just like weird staging choices like that, that don't feel like they actually gave a lot of thought into how they shot and how they shot the show. Um, yeah, I don't know why, but my guess is they were just very, very rushed. Um, so kind of moving to the, in the second episode where they're in on the, do you know what the planet's called? Do they ever say his name? Uh, Dayu, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, what Bail Organa says the name whenever uh, he's talking to Obi Wan in the first episode at the end. He's like, "Yeah, they're taking her to Dayu." Okay. And speaking of the volume, I think that the backgrounds there look really good. Just the yeah, that kind of I, neon. I wanted look. to mention that earlier. Uh, I think the second episode looks great with the um, with the planet and everything. I was like, it. I, I was really impressed with it, especially because some of the volume stuff that we've seen in the past, especially in Book of Boba Fett, was so lackluster. Um, so I was like really sold on it. I think part of it has to do with the fact that it's nighttime. Um, mm-hmm. So the dimmer uh, lights and the contrast uh, with the saturated neon lights just probably works a lot better for it. Yeah, I think straight darkness doesn't work that well. There's scenes from like in episode four of Mandalorian, the sanctuary, or um, in a, in a, the Jedi from season two, where I feel like the dark forest. It's like it, they have to light the character a little bit brighter, so they kind of, you can actually see literally see the wall. But I think yeah. the neon lights kind of help it pop more to where it it doesn't look fake. Definitely. Um, yeah, uh, and there was, I, I think overall, I was very disappointed in all the action. However, one se- sequence that I really did like was uh, Obi-Wan's tussle with the the, uh, the drug dealers or spice dealers in the hallway. And I really like yeah. that it looks like he's using judo, which feels mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the most, not only just the most Jedi style where you're just kind of redirecting energy and making them hurt themselves, <laughs> uh, yeah. but also it's very much an Obi-Wan style. Because oh, yeah. like if, if you watch his lightsaber fights in Revenge of the Sith and also throughout the animated series like the Clone Wars and his one spot in Rebels where he's someone who kind of like places himself in the center of the action and does a lot of deflecting. Like it's, it's just a really interesting fighting style where he's kind of like the eye of the storm at all times. So I feel like Judo where he kind of lets them come to him and then tosses them away. Um, feels very much on brand and it was very well choreographed i thought yeah um i i definitely yeah uh that that fight scene stood out to me um and then also uh it's very brief but in the chase sequence in episode two uh whenever obi-wan pulls out the blaster and starts shooting at the uh i think it's the droid is what he's shooting at i really liked uh that shot of him like pulling out the blaster and also, mm-hmm. it's just like funny seeing him use a blaster because, and he's really bad at it. So uncivilized, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's bad at it. So. Which is, it's just funny. It was so, it felt so weird because 
all the time in, in Star Wars, like everyone's a dead shot. Like they pull out their blasters, bang, one shot, they get the bad guy. And he's like missing every shot. And it was like, this feels so wrong and weird. But I guess in character with Obi-Wan. Very um, in character. And also, I think it makes sense given that he hasn't been doing anything for all this time. So yeah, he's, he's a bit rusty. And you you can even see that whenever he's fighting the, uh, the gang members. Um, he just... Like, he, he, gets he punches the Zabrex horns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He like, gets come on. You you've stuff. tussled with uh, Maul enough. You should know better than that. Come that's on. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. Anything else in particular that you wanted to mention? Um. Kind of getting to the end of my notes. Yeah. Um. The score, incredible. I really love the Obi Wan theme that John Williams did. Um. And also, uh, there hasn't been any standout tracks in particular from uh, the other composer. I'm blanking on her name. Natalie Holt? Yeah, there hasn't been any standout tracks yet uh, from her, but all of it is very fitting uh, for the situations and everything. And I'm sure that later on in the season, we'll get some standouts from her, especially because her work in Loki was incredible. Um, so I'm interested to see what she kind of does with, uh, the music later on. Hopefully she'll play with like some of the, um, original themes, uh, and tracks from the prequels, Duel of I the mean, Fates maybe. <laughs> well, Battle of Heroes. I mean, we've got to yeah, get that some too. of that. Um, yeah, one thing I have to mention, Dinosaur Bounty Hunter, just super cool. <laughs> Utterly yeah. ridiculous, but I kind of love it. Uh, also, uh, you can really see that that's one spot where it's like that is that has to be from Joby Harold because uh, he was one of the writers on um, on uh, John Wick Chapter Three, where you mm-hmm. have kind of the same a, a very similar scene of all the bounty hunt all the bounty hunters in the city getting a message that so now we can hunt John Wick. Very similar thing with now they're all going to hunt uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, yeah. That was kind of fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I did also. Uh, I, I think actually in our spoiler chat, I was like, oh, this is John Wick now or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, I, I really like that. Um, uh, like, I, I feel like it's the closest we'll get for a long while to like the planet Narshada in Star in the Star Wars universe. We what still is haven't that? seen that. It is basically like Coruscant, but really run down and bounty hunters everywhere so um, coruscant below like level 20 here yeah yeah it's <laughs> it's like 1313 but the entire planet like it's very uh a very dangerous planet um it's really prominent in the knights of the old republic series mm. um so, uh, yeah. michael michael said uh, the tr- for me the track that played uh, as we saw the jedi hanging and the alderaan music were standouts i I'm really bad about listening to me unless it's like a really big theme blaring. I don't really remember much music from a film. I do need to go in and listen to the soundtrack again. Same, same. Um, so I, this is, this show is kind of interesting where I feel like they've kind of resolved everything by the end of episode two to where like Obi-Wan's arc of, you know, getting out there and rejoining the fight that was resolved when he left the planet. Obi-Wan's arc of reconnecting to the Force was resolved when he caught Leia. Um, 
the the Leia plot was resolved where they escape. So I'm kind of like, I, obviously they're going to create some more escapades and shenanigans and, and obstacles for them to fight, but it is kind of weird. It feels like everything's resolved <laughs> by the end of this episode. So I'm kind of like, I, I have no idea. Aside from obviously Vader has to come in somehow. Yeah. I really don't know what, what's the rest of the show about. Yeah, same here. I like I I honestly don't have any speculations, which I actually really like about that because that means I'm going to be surprised, hopefully for the better. <laughs> um So yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. And fortunately, we don't have to wait that long since the episodes are going to release on Wednesdays from here on out. All right, so kind of dive, let's dive into our final thoughts. I'll go first so we can end positively. Um, yeah, I guess my, my biggest issue with this show is pretty similar to my issues with the Book of Boba Fett is that I don't really feel much of anything. Like there are there are moments I like. There are you know character beats or lore aspects like oh that's pretty cool. But like as a story, I'm not really connecting with it. I think a lot of that is just I feel this it's very rushed. I. My my ideal Obi-Wan show would have had a full episode of just Obi-Wan being depressed on Tatooine. Like for me, my ideal episode would have ended with like the Inquisitors arriving on the planet. Like this show begins with that. So we're like instantly in the plot of, I, I wish you could have had a whole kind of episode to just luxuriate in the depression and hopelessness of the character mm-hmm. and slowly ease out of that. But this, this, start, this show just started so fast and so quickly into the plot that I don't know. It just, for me, I'm not having the time I need to emotionally become invested. So it's just kind of, it's a, for me, it's, it's a show that it's happening and I don't hate it. Like, I think it is, I think it's better than the book of a fan. I think the direction overall is better. I don't, um, I think having a plot makes it better than the, than the book of Boba Fett. Uh, but oh, also I don't love the direction and I don't love the plot. So like it's better, but only marginally for me. And that that's very disappointing. Like I I think Mando, while inconsistent, has generally been pretty great. And then there are some episodes which are just like, this is as good as Star Wars as ever gets. Um, and I'm not and to to watch a Star Wars show and not really feel anything is kind of disappointing. Um, question for you, like for me, I don't really have a lot of hopes for this show. Because I know you know it's the same writer, same director going forward. Like with 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 uh, Boba, with uh, both Boba Fett and with um, Mandalorian, if I didn't like one episode, well, it's a different. There's a different director next episode, so like it could completely come around again. You know what? what whereas a single director, single writer, it makes it consistent, but you also you lose that kind of uh, that kind of unpredictable hope. Um, so for you, having seen these two episodes. Are you more excited for the future of the show than you were before it premiered or less excited? How are you feeling about going forward? Um, I'd say I'm pretty much the same for the most part, uh, but I definitely think that I'm more excited to see Vader now than I thought I was going to be, um, which is good because, again, I, I didn't know how I felt about Vader coming back, but I'm so curious and excited to see Hayden Christensen as Vader. Um, I mean, we're, <laughs> you couldn't even recognize, I don't think we'll be able to even recognize him. Like the yeah. last shot, that's a lot of latex he's under. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever material they use. <laughs> I can't wait to like, just, I, I really hope he's going to get like 
a fair amount of dialogue. I just want to see like how he delivers that and everything. Oh, um, it's, it's bringing me back to Rebels. The way they mixed Matt uh, Matt Lant not is it Latner or Lanter? Lanter, right? Yeah, the way they, they mix his yeah. voice and James Earl Jones as he says so Ahsoka. If, so we, if we can get some some bits of uh, sound design like that, uh, yes. that'd be so cool. Yes, I would love that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see more of that. Uh, I I'm still fingers crossed, really hoping that we see Qui Gon. I think that they, they have to like they yeah. they because in the recap they they devoted a good bit of time to talking about I you will learn to communicate with Qui Gon. If they don't show that, like that's. It'll That'd be, be such so a long. huge misstep. Uh, but yeah, I, I really feel like we will, uh, just from the little teases that we've had. Um, and obviously, they, they, they don't say it directly, but it's kind of, you're under the impression that Obi-Wan is cut off from the Force until Episode 2. And that's mm-hmm. why whenever in the first episode he's calling out to Qui-Gon, he wasn't getting any answers. Um, so I, I, hope, I hope we see Qui-Gon... I hope they really play with more of like the nightmares and like, I guess the uh, mm. the guilt that Obi Wan may be feeling with what happened, uh, because obviously it wasn't his fault. But I'm I'm sh- I'm definitely sure when Owen said, "Oh, like you trained his father," that probably was like a huge punch <laughs> to the gut for him. That is so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so oh, just kind of overall closing thoughts on the show. How are you liking it? Yeah, I really enjoyed both of the first two episodes. It's not perfect, but I feel like it's a breath of fresh air compared to Book of Boba Fett for the most part because Book of Boba Fett was just not it for me. Um, and even though I still had some fun with that show, uh, there was only like two episodes that really stood out to me um that's that's the funny thing about these uh, these shows is that i like if you ask me book about fat like oh it's a bad show but also i straight up love two episodes like so i have very mixed feelings yeah um all right so i think that'll be it for this week uh we'll be back i think thursday next thursday this week um to talk about the next episode and uh yeah uh come join us in the outer rim on facebook and uh, subscribe to the youtube channel these videos will also be going up there and until next week we will see you later